moments. You call these velvet moments. Velvet moments, yes. Yeah. What is a velvet moment, Steve? It's when the audience forget that they're watching a play. I mean, it's more than that, but it's where they sort of like become drawn into what they're watching, drawn into the story. And for the moment, they that's often the time when you'll find people dropping their their wine glasses and things as oh, well. Yes. They kind of slip out of their hands yes. because they're so they're concentrating so much on what they're looking at mm. that they forget mm. their surroundings. They forget where mm. they are for a moment. Mm. And it's mm. that time when you really sort of reach through to people's souls. Yes. It doesn't happen very often, but uh, mm. and you can kind of you can kind of you can't create a velvet moment, but you can create the conditions where a velvet moment may occur. Yes. How true! That's really that's really that's really helpful. Actually, that's really well. That's yeah. To create the conditions, that's excitement. One of the excitements of theatre, isn't it? Really, you can create the conditions, but there has to be that. But then something else has to happen. Some kind of meeting of technique and well, magic is uh, too cliched a word, but there's something indefinable. Well, it's supplied by the audience, so they 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 invest into what they're seeing. Mm. If, they, mm. if they don't do that it doesn't work mm. but you, mm. you can't make them do it but you can just help them no and you can lose them lose an audience oh god that's dead really? easy yeah <laughs> i've lost many an audience in my I, time i don't <laughs> by trying too hard usually it's one of the failures of the english language that we don't have a plural view uh, but uh, <laughs> i meant one that's that's the plural <laughs> And it, and it's and although it's, I've said this many times, you know, because because uh, I've uh, uh, told a joke in character in front of an audience and, and and received complete silence, which is why why comedy is often not much more difficult. But you can tell in a tragic piece like Blackadder if you have caught the audience or not. Mm. I don't know whether you were out the. Did you ever come out the front then for that end? Did you feel this in the audience? I, I saw it once, uh, I snuck around because I had a few little jobs to do at the back. And, but I tended to come out and listen to the, what the audience was saying when they left. And often they weren't saying anything at all, which was kind no. of no. interesting. No. It was, yeah, it was certainly. But the point of that ending was that I didn't want somebody to come out of the theatre and come and out with their wife or their husband or whatever um, and say... Yeah. Um, but how, did you put the recycling out before? We yeah, came? yeah, 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 like, what's, yeah. What, what's what are you going to watch on television later on? Yeah. Or anything like that? I, I, they would. They just had to still be in the moment. And yes, absolutely. That they were. Oh gosh, they were. I was ushering one night. I think I was ushering a few nights actually. Was, we did it in uniform. I seem to recall. Uh, again, I think I think Charlotte was was. Uh, oh, that's right. Charlotte was an air was in was an air person. And I was a military police officer or something. Anyway, the point is that we showed a lot of people to their seats who were, you know, who'd lived through uh, the Second War, and uh, and there was uh, well, the word moving doesn't really cover their response, but it was a it was an appreciative sadness, if I can call it that. Mm. You know, it's too cheap again to call it cathartic. It wasn't that, but it it was more. It wasn't an it wasn't the kind of outpouring of emotion that the audience felt, but a but a newness. I often think in great theatre, you find yourself feeling something that you've never felt before, and you've got no name for. And that's what that was. You know, like if you sometimes you can go to a great art gallery and see 
you kind of see in beautiful in the most astonishing painting i thought well i'm a real kind of peasant with this and uh, for me it'd be something like turner and i look at some of turner's works and i think there are colors there i've never seen and i've got no name for and at the end of blackadder for example i felt don't know what this is but i've no name for it beautiful that's what that's great isn't it that is absolutely tremendous we ought to be we ought to uh get into your writing before we go back to the stage for your directions and acting and so on because you are of course a writer and uh and i know people say this uh you know but it is true and you're very modest about it but you are an award-winning writer well my plays won the awards really um yeah the cork arts theater did a an annual uh, competition, and there was uh, um, the plays would well, uh, several times have won uh, awards for uh, the production. So that it's, um, it's kind of shared between the writer and the, the people that actually put the play on. But nevertheless, yeah, I mean, I'd, once again, um, awards are only awards because somebody thinks it's any good, but. Um, that's just their opinion. I've, I've had, had a really bad experience at the Lighthorn Festival where um, my son Oscar and I uh, did a play together because he wanted us to do a play together. It's called The Age of Asparagus. Uh, I didn't think it was necessarily brilliant, but it was pretty good. And um, the judge, it just went straight over his, and he started off his adjudication by saying, I really didn't understand this play at all. And my heart sank. <laughs> so, um, I kind of like um, prefer it when people like it rather than judges. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It's a funny thing, isn't it? The, it doesn't mix competition and drama. In well, I don't think it does. Some people, some people like it, but some people I, I don't at all. So when we did the one act festival of plays, which you were also involved in last um, summer, uh, there was no competitive element for that no, was, there, was there a thought there might be at one point? Uh, certain people thought that it would be a good idea, but oh. it, it wouldn't have been. And oh, I'm glad it wasn't. Anyway. I'm glad it yeah. wasn't. Particularly if we'd been in a competition for highest attending <laughs> show. Uh, <laughs> I would have found it very embarrassing to have been... Yeah. John Jennings would have won that. Maybe John Jennings sold loads of... Well, not sold loads of tickets, but got loads of people to come. Um, and there were a couple of people that came every night because of John Jennings. Amazing. <laughs> Phoenix show also was very was. I mean, it was a lovely bit of theatre actually. But but uh, um, it was also that Phoenix turned out in good strength for their for Roger Golan's mm. beautiful piece. Lovely bit of acting between those three, wasn't it? It was really lovely. And you also, again, you're being modest here, but I've taken you down the writing route. But improvisation is not uh, is a form of inventive uh, creation, of course. Uh, you 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 performed a very very daring piece of uh, theatre there, didn't you? Well, once again, uh, we, we we had a gap because somebody pulled out. Of, uh, with, with two weeks to go. So either we had to sort of, well, we couldn't drop nights because uh, people had invested and they were all prepared to do these. But, so we had to find something to go in there. So um, I used the emotional machine technique. So that is where you, you decide where your, your piece begins. 
um, you decide where it ends and you might come up with three or four different stages along the way. And then you write those down. I wrote them down on my arm, just one word, just so that I wouldn't get lost. <laughs> Did you? I didn't know that. Mm. Yeah. So on my arm, I had I had seven words written. Mm. But, you know, if, if I sort of thought, hmm, what's next? I could just look at my arm. Oh. And then those words would then kick off what I'd got planned. So I think the first time I did it uh, was about 30, just under 30 minutes long, which was like a lot longer than I thought it was going to be. And I'm told that the second time was nearly 40 minutes. I don't know what the hell I was doing, but um, I just, yeah, you just develop it. But it was, it was made a lot easier because of this, this thing. It's a bit like um, standing in for David Mears in Blackadder. You know, if I cocked it up, Yes. I mean, I could. No, no one was going to say, "Oh, well, he's he's an idiot," you know, because they know I only had two weeks to to do it, and I hadn't got any script. I yes. was just making it up as I went along, anyway. So, yeah, you know, if if it's low pressure, then ah. it tends to work better for me. Yeah, that's interesting how you should define it as such, because there will be. Well, I know there were lots of people who thought there's no way I would do that. <laughs> that is a bit dangerous. Yeah. Because it could go horribly wrong. We yeah. were lucky, though. It, it, it seemed to go okay. It seemed to go quite well. It went very well, indeed. Nick, Nick LeMessure, and I, uh, was, uh, in, who I just happened to know, uh, thought very extraordinarily highly of it, and uh, along with many others, actually, uh, including myself. And it's not just the respect for doing it, but I think Nick's comment was something like, this is a very fine piece of theatre whether it's improvised or not something of that sort mm. um, but then improvisation is not a sub art it's a very it's an extraordinarily uh, difficult challenging um, well you, know. you see this is it everybody says that I don't find it as hard I don't think I mean mm. I can find it quite difficult sometimes I don't think I find it as hard as other people do maybe that's just part of my spectrum thing but also I mean, the, the risk for me was i was pairing with lucinda toomey mm. who um she okay she was asleep through most of it but there's a real danger that when you appear with her that she'll because she's better than me and um that she'll steal the whole thing i mean we did a play called uh, together a big long play called sparrows in a hat it was done in the round at the bear pit before things mm. were done in the round at the bear pit very much at all mm. and um so i wrote the play i've directed the play i was one of the i was 50 percent of the characters in the play and i was not the best actor that's annoying but <laughs> that's the way it goes sometimes no i think people do find it uh do find it very very exposing very very uh, and we just don't do it actually that piece that you did was i don't think there's been another piece like it uh, before or well certainly not since well, that, but, but that's before. the beauty even even the two times i did it they were different from each other because i yes i forgot yes. different things yes. or i yes. went yes. off in a different direction yes yes this is part of i because i've had the great 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 privilege and pleasure of being in your production pillow man and uh, this is part of your rehearsal. No one else does this in people I've, it's not, I'm not saying this is either good or bad, but you are, certainly in that show, I don't know whether this is typical of all the things you do, 
you build you use improvisation as part of your rehearsal technique don't you well you yeah. did rehearse at any rate so why do you do that what's the what's the what's the what's the because if people are just standing there saying the words on the page and even if they're injecting some kind of fake emotion into it they become like puppets it's part of the velvet moment um building um philosophy i suppose in order for the audience to forget that they're watching a play, the cast have to forget, not entirely, but sort of forget that they're doing a play. And the way that they'll do that is by having a rounded idea of the character, of, without being all method about it, becoming a bit of the character rather than just being some kind of empty vessel that's parroting the lines. So if you felt like Topolsky, even a bit, your performance as Topolsky would become much, much more compelling. Yes. And, to this and other... it was. You were, you were brilliant. Partic I mean, and the nice thing about you is that you are, uh, some people aren't willing to try stuff. I mean, I, I, I kind of pick people that I, I usually, I think, will be willing to try stuff. But I mean, you were definitely winged, and you, know, you were outside your comfort zone for quite a lot of that rehearsal process. Almost, almost all of it, actually. Yes, absolutely. But, uh, but you uh, were willing to go with it. Yes, yes. Well, we all were, weren't we? You know, it's the, the, as you say, you know, you, you, you. Uh, I mean, the, that's true also for the play, isn't it? The play decides to go outside its own, outside the comfort zone of, of um, what is conventional, what is, uh, or, or even acceptable, in order to. I, th I thought in order to find things, the play itself and its story arcs and subplots and soliloquies, uh, he was taking risks with that. Uh, is this too long? Is this soliloquy going to be credible? What is credibility anyway? In order to find things out and touch this newness, this velvet moment thing. The other line that you're very famous for, very famous for, but you know, in our circles, um, is uh, don't act. Yeah, you're acting too much. Stop acting. Because mm. um, um, maybe part of it tells, but uh, when somebody's trying to act, mm. it becomes obvious that they're trying to act. And mm. you, in in the extremist, you get people that can't stop uh, doing. I mean, I remember. I won't, again, I won't name the person, even though actually, I don't think. She, around much anymore but anyway but uh, a person that could not stop so um all the time that they were speaking they were doing things like this and everything had to be it was almost like a sort of james t kirk type thing because he did, he does that in the original star trek oh yes that's thing. true yes yes that's true he does he does whereas with him it, you kind of allow it <laughs> i don't know why perhaps but, but, but i mean it, it's it's obvious that you're acting and uh, if you want a velvet moment, you have to make believe that you're not acting. So don't act, and it will mm. come out. Mm. It's a note that we, we used to giggle about uh, again in that show. This is the one only the, the most recent one I was involved with with you. It's a note that you, as an as a cast, we would giggle at that uh, we'd get a note after a rehearsal bit, and you'd say, "You see, Graham." You were acting. <laughs> <laughs> but 
but that's how it appears in common parlance though isn't it it is interesting how in ordinary chit chat people say oh don't be so so you're just acting you're just putting that on for precisely the reasons that you've just said actually isn't it people, oh, oh I, that's not credible because you, you you can see the you can see that you're acting you see and you're dead right when you're in a theater and you're not quite sure you know it's you know people are in character but there's a sense in which you've been taken beyond that and you don't know quite yeah anyone anyone could pretend badly but you have to pretend so well that they don't even know you're pretending anymore. Mm. Mm. By the way, since we're in the bear pit uh, in our conversation here, now this I will put this out in December, so we will have missed absurd person singular. However, um, so there's no point saying buy a ticket because it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> however, however, what a wonderful way to... I know we've had the One Act Play Festival, and then we had the deck chairs... I say we, I'm being flippant here, but there is a, I don't mean it to be, I don't mean to sound flippant. There is a, there is an incredible sense of community in that theatre. You know, I call it, a, you know, it's rather pretentious, but it's a Martin Luther King thing about, you've got to, if you can build beloved communities, things change. I love that. It's really about the heart and so on. Uh, but I think in the bear pit, that is the case. There is a, don't you? There's a beloved community, a real sense of it. And as you, as this is going out in December, um, I can say you should come and see the play that's on in February. Um, mm. I can't say what it is because uh, at the moment we're in November and it hasn't been officially announced, but um, it's uh, it will be really, really exciting. Either that will be a car crash. Well, it won't be a car crash. It'll be really exciting. Something very different. And um, hopefully we'll do another one-act festival. There's certainly the mood music is positive towards that, so we'll do that again in the summer. We were very nearly on the edge of a scoop then. <laughs> yeah, I know. Sorry. I, I no, can't. I'm glad you haven't, because the, one of the things the Bear Pit is very good at is uh, maintaining... Uh, a decorum, a decorum. It's one of the reasons why I think the bear pit is, is so free of rancor. And uh, well, it's because yeah. everybody does um, what David tells them to do, which is um, which is great when you have somebody that's uh, Jesus-like in yeah. command. Yeah. Um, the time when it won't work is when, or if David ever well, when he gets gets too old, I suppose. Well, if he ever chooses to step down, and um, I don't know who who will take over, John Paul II, I don't know somebody. Peter, I think if if that ever does happen, we'll find that he never really existed. <laughs> well, yeah. yes, that's a point. Because because uh, anybody people would sometimes have a go at guessing David's age, don't they? And it varies between twenty and one hundred and nine. Uh, you know. <laughs> anyway, or, or perhaps perhaps he'll die and then come back to life three days later and uh, ascend to heaven where he belongs. Or yes, yes. That, well, <laughs> uh, I think that's the end of a paragraph. I can't really, uh, I can't continue that paragraph on. <laughs> anyway, the or point is, if he I, Lenin, what about if we have actually? What if we have a Stalin after David? That would be awful. Don't Think go on. there. 
<laughs> it would take me down the long road of Polish history, Steve. And uh, I know how fascinated everybody is with that. Uh, well, I and my Polish friends are with it. I hope, by the way, that by the time we, this does go out in December, that my own piece will have been selected by Second Thoughts to be done in October. I have my piece I've written uh, uh, for up for grabs. Anyway. Is it the piece that I, I read and nearly had a punch-up with your mate? Of, your no, mate no, no, no. That, 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 that one has turned into something completely different now. It, the, I like the, that. I thought that had yeah, real potential. It does and did, but it also had too many flaws to continue in its current form. So I've completely rewritten it and it's now got a wholly new title, and it, which is Woe to Us, Where is the Sweet Revolution? And uh, which is a, a line from a beautiful story in uh, uh, a collection of stories by a Polish writer uh, called uh, The Red Cavalry. Beautiful. Anyway, point is, the point is that uh, I would say it isn't, I know you're kind of joking, but kind of not. It's a huge advantage, I think, with the Babbitt having somebody who is just in charge. <laughs> but also, uh, there is a real sense of people doing it for the theatre, isn't there? You know, people... Yeah. Re yeah, because you and others, uh, I wasn't sadly around at that point when it, at its birth. But Pamela was telling me the stories of how it came about, and it was a real sense of, you know, we must have a theatre in it, and it ought to be like this, and a real meeting of minds, and that's just gone on and on and on, you know. Yes, yeah. I mean, when you think about actors as well, um, or theatre people in general, it's kind of hard to draw them together in any other way, which is why the existence of Second Thoughts is so anomalous, really, because it's, um, it is a kind of democracy, which shouldn't really work in those circumstances, mm. because mm. actors and theatre people in general are all chronically insecure, chronically insecure. If you think about it, they, they demand that people pay money to come along and see them pretending to be other people, and not only do they have to pay money, but they also have to clap and applaud at the end and then go up to that actor and say how good they were. And if they get anything less than that, they're consumed with angst. Was I any good? Oh, my goodness. Why don't they love me? Why? Yes. Why? Yes, 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 <laughs> yes. Totally. Now, that brings me on to another stock theme that runs through these podcasts that I must turn to you with, and that is... What is it you say if you ever do? I mean, uh, uh, if you if you if you've seen a show, let's say, uh, and you've it's been awful, and you go to the bar. This wouldn't be a bear pick company production, of course, but the, the, you know anything else. If you you go into the bar and there are the actors, and indeed there there is this awful moment where somebody will come up and say. I mean, that's why I, one of the reasons I never go into the bar after a show, where people come up to you and say, uh, not it wouldn't come to me, but they probably come to you. What do you think, Steve? What do you think? Now, if well, it's they do awful, it, what they, do you they say? They do it once. They, they never do it more than once. To you? Because I, yeah, to me. Because I will tell them. And people don't ask me unless they really <laughs> want to know now. You don't sugar it then? No. I mean, the best I can say, um, I mean, talk about bear pit productions. There's been some that I just haven't got at all. One of them was a lower low, I, because I never understood why that was funny. The TV series was funny either. It's one of those, maybe it's one of those ADHD autism things 
that just doesn't connect with me. And uh, the best I could say was I just don't understand it. I don't understand why it's funny or anything about it. it just doesn't connect with me at all. But usually, if something's bad, you can tell why it's bad. And it's often because people are trying too hard. They're overacting. It's, it's, it's almost like, look, mum, look how good I'm acting. Or sometimes a writer will do it as well. They overwrite things. So yes. they, their words get in the way of the story. Yes. So you've got a, you can have a really good, compelling story, perhaps. Yes. Yes. But you're so up your own ass with, oh, I must put in these extra words here because that shows where I'm really, really good writer. And it just gets in the way of it. So when I do write things, I don't do that much anymore. But when I do, I'll start with a script. And I can almost guarantee it will be less than half the length by the time I finish with it. Yes, absolutely. Cut out all the extraneous words, get rid of anything that gets in the way of the story. Yes. 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 Stephen King has this beautiful book called uh, On Writing. Yes. Have you read that? that? Yeah. Yes, Yes, I have. That's very good. It's one of the, I think he's actually the best thing I've ever read about writing. And he says, when you're editing, always cut out the bits you like the most. <laughs> because if you like them, it's because you think it shows you're clever. Yes. And you're if acting you're trying again, to be clever, you? you're writing. You're... Stop writing. Yes, yes. Yeah, you're getting in the way of the story. Mm. Yeah, it's like mm. you're acting mm. too much. Right. You're mm. writing too much. It's yes. the same principle. Yes, absolutely. I love it. I, I, I'm writing this thing at the moment, as I say. I've rewritten the piece that you did the, 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 when there was nearly World War Three in the, uh, in the uh, bear pit bar there. Well, I put up quite a lot from him. I mean, I thought, looking back on it, I think I was quite restrained. Well, I think you were not only restrained, but you were were also completely right. Um, (laughs) However, let's uh, move slightly off that a bit, a a little bit. But if I'm, when I'm writing, if if I come back the next day and I look at what I've written and I think, did I do that? That's when I know I might be onto something and that's extraordinarily rare. Mostly I look at what I've written the day before and think, oh my God, it's never going to go anywhere. <laughs> Delete is my favourite button. And it's, so it should be though, shouldn't it? Coming back to plays that you and, and you and, and how, what, how one gets involved in them. Are there plays where you look back with uh, great fondness are there, uh, 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 that you've directed or been in? Are there plays where you, and separate, I suppose, but allied to that, are there plays that you've been in or directed and you've thought, oh, I'd do it totally different now? Yeah, uh, of course, there's loads. I, mean, I really, really liked being in Shadow of a Gunman. It was directed by the late Maggie Curtis, who I don't think directed anything after the, or before, as far as I know. And she was really, really good. I don't know if it was a confidence thing. Maybe she didn't realise how good she was. But there was a a, a wonderful thing with Chris. Um, <laughs> Chris Jackson built a door for this flat that me and Kevin Hand lived in in the play, and um, the door only opened one way. And Gary Blanders was in the play, and he had to um, he had to come through the door, and the door you had to pull from his perspective. You couldn't push it. It wouldn't work. <laughs> so, of course, Gary tried to push the door. It wouldn't open. And then Gary being Gary, he panicked. <laughs> and I was, I was 
Waiting As anybody for would, frankly. I'm with Gary. I, I would have had a bright flap. Yeah. I remember a door sort of just came off its hinges. <laughs> and there's Gary. And I caught the door. <laughs> and we did, I sort of propped the door up against, against the, the flat. We did the whole scene. I mean, I, I started by saying, you broke my door. <laughs> and then I sort of, sort of put the door back again at the end and said, I don't like that man. <laughs> He's from Wales, was he? <laughs> I, yeah, he was from Wales. Yes, from oh, the, the right. north side of Dublin, part of Wales. So, uh, but that has a great fondness. But Maggie was a Maggie uh, was uh, a genius, a quiet genius, I think. In, 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 she she was incredibly modest, incredibly modest, as as, the, yeah. as all the best people are in many ways. You know. Do you know? I didn't know. I forgot she directed that. Uh, that's appalling of me. I, I apologize. But how lovely to, to get her name into the into. It's lovely to speak of people who have gone, isn't it? Really, I think we are very squeamish about this, and we shouldn't be. Maggie is a uh, Maggie continues. We've, we've had Maggie, and we've had John Golby. Yes, and Phil Bruce Moore, and many people, haven't we? Who've we've lost sadly, and uh, miss hugely. John, we miss uh, immensely, of course, too. And you were very mm. close to John Golby, were you not? And probably still are. Well, John Golby was extremely useful to me in many ways. Apart from being one of my closest friends, he he gave me somewhere to live. When I had, um, whenever I had a sort of relationship breakdown, which with with a woman, which is uh, was quite frequent throughout my life, it was, I, it was always handy to know that um, John's house was a kind of refuge if I wanted to go go and live somewhere for a while, after the death of another relationship. You and he had a lot of similarities, didn't you? I think, of course. Yeah, I think he was on the spectrum. Well, I know he was on the spectrum as well. Some wonderful games parties. Yeah, they were theatre in the round. They were promenade theatre in many ways, weren't they? They were. <laughs> the best things in life have a theatrical frame to them, I think, you know. Uh, yeah, it's interesting how uh, the word character doesn't cover it, really. He had a life and a, an unpredictability that, that um, was uh entirely his own and you couldn't describe it in any way you couldn't experience it in predictable terms huge man in all kinds of ways wasn't wasn't he uh and, and, and massively generous and he was another one isn't he who he would there was no filter no none at all in some ways, he was a throwback to an earlier time. Yes. Dickensian, time before, almost, yes. Yeah, time before television, where people would <clears> open <throat> their houses to their friends and they would come out mm, and play mm. games or sing mm. songs or do mm. quizzes. Mm. Uh, he was very into all that stuff. Mm. Now, as we, as we <clears throat> uh, draw to a close, as the sands of, Kurt, sands of time draw to a close... <laughs> Uh, the old ones are the best, you know. Um, let us look forward into the bright, bold future. Of course, we don't know whether whether uh, 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 Boris will continue to mess things up. I suppose the odds are pretty good that he will. He'll um, get rid of it eventually. The Tory party will knife him in the back. Yeah, well, they do, don't they? Yeah, yeah. All political careers ending failure. Stops being, stops being useful. But supposing the, uh, it, it all goes well and theatres remain open, are there plays that you uh, were both of us of an age where, uh, you know, we're probably, probably Romeo's gone. 
probably even Hamlet. Although Stephen Burkoff played Hamlet when he was pretty old, didn't he? But are there parts that you would love to play or part or plays that you not necessarily that couldn't be done at the bear pit even where you think oh i'd love to have i'd love to direct that couldn't be done at the bear pit but i'd love to do it uh does that does that do you have those thoughts i would i always wanted to do brimstone and treacle at the bear pit anywhere really but i doubt that it'll ever be done there partly because it's attached to the church and it's a play about the devil um, and right. I, would, I would if i couldn't direct it i'd love to play the the father you know um the father of the girl who's um handicapped or what is she well she isn't as it turns out oh, oh i'm spoiling the ending for people now Happily, the Do you know the play Brimstone and Treacle? I don't know. No, no. I shall Google it after this. Mm. Mm. It's, it's one of my favourites. Me and I've got two two plays that really sort of maybe three plays that really really. There's two Jim Cartwright plays. Uh, one was two, which um, I think is an outstanding, wonderful piece of work, and Road, which is another yeah. Jim Cartwright. Yeah. Super and um, brimstone and treacle. Oh, <laughs> I, I'm not going to tell you the story because it's just too involved. But I mean, it's, it opens up so many questions about what's real and what is the nature of good and evil. And can evil begat good things almost accidentally sometimes? Seems to know. I would have thought the church would find that entirely appropriate. Very strong strain of um, you have to have evil to have good in church theology, and some of it's the well, Brimstone Trigger was banned by the uh, BBC. Ah, I've got it on DVD. I might lend it to you. Well, oh, yeah, please do. I shall YouTube it straight. And straight then, away. well, I've, I've try to avoid the um, uh, Sting version, which is um, not very good. The, the one with my, Michael Kitchen, the, the TV, it was a kind of play for today type thing. Um, that's the one to watch. And what about... Genome uh, Elliot is the, is the father. Um, what about characters that you, um, you'd love to have a go at them on stage? Um, I, I just like characters that have uh, a bit of bite to them so i can't i mean you as you probably know i've i've regard shakespeare as being a bit overrated uh i know it's blasphemy to say that but i do i mean i do i just think mean, he's pretty good but he's he's not that good i thought it was all writers no longer living that you had an opposition to um well the, the famous quote is actually Phil Truris, which I, I do agree with. Um, and he was criticising, at the time he was criticising second thoughts, but that's the second thoughts of some years ago. It's no longer true, really. And um, he used to say, we're second thoughts. We do plays by famous dead people. <laughs> some of yeah, yes. I mm. mean, too much. This I don't mind dead people having a go, but oh, I mean, good, good. to have nothing but dead people all the time is just a bit. 
I like modern stuff. I like stuff that I can relate to. So, I mean, a play that has the internet in it or mobile phones. Oh, right, right. It's, right. it's kind of like, it's kind yes. of like nice because mm. you could think, mm. you know, an audience could think, oh, yeah. Rather than something that's harking back to this, you no, know, I don't want to sort of rubbish acorn or anything too much. Although a lot of his finest work was, was written in the 70s and 80s. And that's the stuff that tends to get produced now. But it's all sort of a bit tired. And sometimes when you go to the theatre, I don't know if you've had this experience, but I've had it too bloody often. I go, and when I started going to the theatre, I was in my early 20s. I was one of the youngest people there. And now I'm 60, and frequently I go to the theatre and I'm still one of the youngest people there. Now, that can't be right, can it? Mm, 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 that doesn't bode well for the future. And mm. if you're going to carry on doing plays from the 70s or 80s, or you're going to carry on rehashing um, 70s sitcoms or whatever it is that you're doing, all you're going to attract is old people. And we need, in order to survive, to have younger people in. And that was one of the reasons that I wanted to do The Pillow Man, because I thought it, but then it did, attract a younger crowd. So um, there is a play that um, I actually got the script of, and I've forgotten what it's called now, which uh, would be wonderful to do, but I can't imagine it ever being done. It was, it was done at the Royal Court some years ago. But the story is uh, set in the near future, and it asks a moral question. So if you could have a, uh, uh, an avatar of a child and a paedophile could go into this virtual world and abuse this avatar, would they be getting it out of their system so that they wouldn't have to abuse a real child? Or would it make them more likely to abuse a real child? And the whole play is about that conundrum. And in a way, it mirrors the argument we had about violent um, TV programs, violent films. Does watching that kind of thing make people more likely to do it? Or does it allow them to sort of fantasize about it so they don't have to do it? Wow, that's an unexpected answer. But I, but, uh, uh, I mean, actually, that is true for a lot of, a lot of drama, isn't it? You know, that you, you watch something... That, that old question about if you watch something, is it more likely to uh, for you to become that character? Or does it normalise it for you? Yes, yes, or even celebrate it for you. I mean, in that particular case, it's very interesting, isn't it? Because there are certain issues that if one were to do a play about it, uh, it, it, it could only have one moral direction correctly so and child abuse is one any play that glorified or uh gave a platform to the glorification of it would be undoable quite mm. rightly racism is another isn't it you know you couldn't possibly put a play on that celebrated racism and quite rightly no you could put on a play about racism yeah, oh yeah racist peoples in it but, but you couldn't have a play about, let's say, the life of Oswald Mosley that left everyone thinking, oh, crikey, those are the days. Or that play about Hitler and people leaving Indeed. the theatre saying, well, you know, he had some good ideas. That Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. There are a lot of other morally questionable characters for whom that 
is you mentioned Stalin you know Stalin has a very uh, not not his full evil is very unknown in this in this country a lot of a lot of other characters too but uh, now I thought you were I thought you were going no I didn't think you were going to say this but I just feel that you would be terribly good in uh, in almost all Pinter yeah I like however he has died sadly I do I do like Pinter yeah I really like Penta. Mm. Can't think of a part in. Uh, see, birthday party is the one that leaps most obviously to mind. I think. PT. Yeah, and, uh, yeah obviously. I could Jack. do PT. The, yeah. The, the, yeah. The husband. Yeah. And you could do the caretaker. I think you'd be very. Or, more McCann. I could do McCann in there. McCann. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because I yes. can pronounce Drogheda. Well, let's cast ourselves in it. I shall be Goldberg, and we'll. Uh, that will uh, shock the nation right uh well that, that's over the hour i'm afraid to see if i've taken from you i do apologize um and uh we must uh we must do it again and my plan is to kind of do everybody annually you know and see how life is and uh so uh, i shall ask you again i hope you will say yes again but it's been it's been as ever one of the things that's lovely about this is that <clears throat> The last time that you and I sat down for a chat for an hour was never. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's that's true. Yes, you don't. We don't do we? We just don't. As as no. you know, life doesn't entertain that possibility. I don't think. And so no. uh, it's been a, it's been. That's quite sad. It is sad, isn't it? Mm. It is sad, but we've captured this. And uh, and uh, I'm really grateful that you've enabled me to do that. I always wanted to do. I wanted to when I started off doing these. I thought, I know this sounds a bit kind of soppy, but uh, you know there are people I haven't said thank you to, and so often when one falls off the perch, well, I don't know. I'm falling off the perch, but when I fall off the perch, there will be no possibility to say thank you to anybody. Uh, so. It's like when people do their people should have their funerals while they're alive, shouldn't they? Really, because that because then you could because then any if anybody's going to say anything nice about you, it's going to be when you're dead. Um, so, uh, but it does enable me to say that uh, to you to thank you for the part that you have played in the many decades, as it turns out, that you and I have acted together. You've always been incredibly important influence in in my theatre life and also the theatre lives of pretty much everybody in this in this town and really? beyond oh i do believe that i'm not flattering you there'd be almost nobody i know i don't know many people but <laughs> there's almost nobody i know who doesn't know you and doesn't have a view about uh, yeah, i am extremely do. annoying and i am quite good at annoying people so i should think there's probably i, I tend to be a bit of a marmite person i think so yeah there'll be, there'll be about 50 percent people will like me and think i've been a positive influence equally there's probably 50 percent who just think i'm an annoying bastard and i wish they'd go away <laughs> and on that note <laughs> steve i would belong to the former camp i think you're a vital element of our i call it public theater i know that's pretentious but i'd rather that amateur theater has got this awful connotation in in the public theater scene in which we live and, and breathe actually you are a very important and, and uh, positively influential person because you dare you know 
you take you, t- you do take risks and they come off nine times out of ten mm, i've been lucky i'll try and get my head out of the room when you've finished all this see if i can get through the door well i'm never going to say it again <laughs> i mean uh... <laughs> I'd, li- I'd like to apologize again for laughing during your salieri speech so much <laughs> you it's going to be 30 years <laughs> Actually, I think it has been 30 years. That's depressing. Yeah, I think it has, yeah. Uh, right. Near as damn it. Too many it notes. It was in 1994 or five, I think. Too many notes, Herr Mozart. Well, I must get you back on this, and I must get you onto, my, onto the ZTE thing, because I, it'd be, look, I bet you, uh, you, you could write some really fascinating things for the small screen, and I'd love to have you do it. And, uh, I might and try I'd and do to have a, you act, an emotional be very good machine piece. Hmm? I might try and do an emotional machine piece for you. Ah, now that would be interesting. That would be interesting to do that live, to do like a Facebook live. I've always wanted to do one of those. I think we should do it. I think we should do it. You get, get, yeah, get somebody together and we'll do it. We'll put it out there. Put it out there. Yeah. Gosh, crikey, what have I said? All right. uh, uh, (laughs) Thank you, Steve. May your day go. Thank you, Graham. And thank you for doing these um, these Zoom things. It's really total pleasure to me. Namaste. Oh, I don't want to end the meeting. I want to end the record. Hang on. I'm uh, just saying goodbye to the record. You're saying goodbye to the record. We'll hear the lovely American voice telling us that the record has stopped. 